1: Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we talk about what you need to know if you're visiting Disney World this spring or summer, including some new announcements that Disney made. Final episodes of this podcast at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash Deciphered for bonus content, or you can book a trip with me as your travel agent at no cost to you. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have questions for the podcast, email us Disney Deciphered at gmail.com. Connect with us at www.deciphered on Twitter or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies.
0: And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tice.
1: Welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So there's been a lot of news, but we generally don't like to do news shows. However, a lot of people are planning travel to Disney World either this spring or this summer. So we thought we'd insert the news into what you need to know if you're going to Disney World, say, in the next six months or so. You know, we're going to talk about what to expect if you are going to be at Disney World in the spring or summer before we get to that we are a little bit behind on patreon shout out so we want to do that so we want to give a shout out to andrew r matt s and chad s who all have subscribed and supported us on patreon and are receiving bonus content there so thank you so much all of you and to all of our patrons for supporting us uh, we really appreciate it and it really helps uh give us the positive motivation uh to keep this going
0: Yes, thank you so much. And it's uh, really fun to get to interact with all of our patrons in our Facebook group. That group is getting livelier and livelier. So really have just enjoyed connecting with everybody and just I'm so grateful for your support. Three years in, right, Joe?
1: Crazy. Another way to support the podcast of course if you are booking a trip uh, last minute or you know you are feeling excited about traveling again you can of course use me as your travel agent that's no cost to you you can email me josephchung at travelmation.net all right so let's get to it leslie there's a lot to think about if you're traveling in the next five or six months or so but let's start with what you will not be able to see if you're traveling this spring or summer to disney world so disney had that shareholders meeting and they announced some things that are not coming when we thought they might be coming so what are those leslie
0: so they first announced that ratatouille is not going to be reopening until the launch of the 50th on october 1st so that was pretty surprising because like all of the information was inside information was that that attraction is ready to go in the france pavilion at epcot so no remy's ratatouille adventure until the 50th i mean i do wonder whether there might be some soft openings maybe for the tail end of summer but You know, no news on that yet. Right, Joe?
1: Correct. I mean, there should be soft openings The probably I wonder they'll have a media event or maybe the media event will be folded in with the 50th anniversary stuff. But yeah, Ratatouille and also uh, the Creperie and some of the other stuff in the France Pavilion not going to open this summer, unfortunately, even though, like you said, Leslie, that ride is ready to go. Uh, What else is probably not going to come this summer?
0: Yes, so no official announcements on this that I've seen, but it seems unlikely that we're going to get Harmonious, the new nighttime spectacular in Epcot for quite some time. I know there have been barges that have been rolled out, (laughs) and there's been much said about whether or not those are eyesores, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, there was some hope, I think, that a lot more nighttime spectaculars would, would make a comeback here in the spring and summer, and it seems like that's still a ways off. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think I'm on record multiple times saying Disney probably doesn't even know when they want to open Harmonious. You know, you can check out Disney Hacks, which is a podcast that I edit. They talked about how the fountains for Harmonious look terrible, and they do right now, although I'm sure they'll be great when the actual attraction comes. I think Disney wants the Nighttime Spectacular to be running, but I think they don't even know when they can open. If they could open it by October 1st, they will, but I think they'll wait to see... The lay of the land before they make an official announcement or maybe even make an official decision for when they're going to do with that.
0: That's right. And let's not forget Rivers of Light and it's one year delayed opening. So that that can happen. Disney can have every intention of opening something and there are things thrown in the way that make it impossible.
1: Ooh, let's hope that uh, Harmonious is not a Rivers of Light part two, because that would be quite a swing and a miss for Disney. You know, of course, Rivers of Light did not even survive the pandemic, unfortunately. That show was kind of, uh, it felt doomed from the start. Harmonious, to be fair, feels a lot better. And I think everyone's excited about it. And I think it'll be good when it finally comes out.
0: Oh, yeah, Totally.
1: Now, a couple of other things that we might see this spring or summer, but no official announcements and we really can't predict. So let's start with the thing that we knew was coming, the extra park hours for onsite guests, Leslie. Just a quick reminder, what is that benefit? And like I said, we don't know when it's coming, but it might come before the end of the summer.
0: That's right. There's been no date announced. They just said sort of later this year, kind of leading up to the anniversary, something like that. And that is, it's no longer called Extra Magic Hours. It's just an early entry benefit into every park for on-property guests 30 minutes in advance of park opening. And so it's every day, every park, giving a huge benefit to, you know, folks staying in Disney hotels and, you know, partner hotels that, that fall within this umbrella. We don't know the date for that, and... Again, this may be one of those things that Disney doesn't know the date for, and they're going to adjust and add as crowds warrant it.
1: Exactly. And then the new thing that we heard about just this week, Leslie, of course, now Magic Bands are no longer complimentary with your hotel stay. What did Disney announce this week that they still have not announced a date? It might come by the end of summer, but who knows again?
0: Yes. So they have a new feature called mobile magic and it basically is bringing some of the features of magic bands to your smartphone so it allows you it will allow you to say add your park ticket to you know your digital wallet on your smartphone and then when you go up to one of the touch points instead of holding up your magic band you would hold up your smartphone and it would scan you into the park there has been not a lot of information given about what features it will replace of course FastPass doesn't exist right now as we once knew it so so, I assume if that comes back or some new iteration of that comes back then you know you'd also scan your smartphone for fast pass access to some of the attractions there's a lot of a lot more question marks about it but for folks who don't want to pay for magic bands but do have smartphones then this gives them one more option and you know not having to carry around an rfid card is certainly more convenient but we'll see what the rollout is and and see when they can make it work on both apple and android the uh, initial launch is just just going to be on Apple devices, as I understand it. What? Yes. Did you miss that, Joe?
1: I missed that. I missed that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
0: Apple owns everything. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So what about uh, my Microsoft Zoom? I know that's not a phone, but anyway, the one question I have about the mobile magic thing, I don't want to speculate too much, but I think it's going to be really important how Disney figures this out is what are they going to do about kids? Because my five-year-old is not going to be running around with a mobile phone. So are they going to like kind of make it so that you can put an entire family on one device, or are we still going to have to have the kids use their RFID cards or buy the Magic Bands? So I'm going to be curious to see that. And I think I prefer the Magic Band, but I do like that Disney's giving this other option that is quote unquote free.
0: Yeah, I still think I'll enjoy using the Magic Band. And as, as for kids, I'm guessing it's going to work the same way it works for MaxPass at Disneyland. And that is a situation where if you, you know, you have a whole family's fast passes on your phone and you just scan through them really quickly and scan all four or something at a touch point. But they definitely have that capacity from what I've seen at Disneyland. So it would make sense to move it over to uh, Disney World as well.
1: Ooh, that improves the efficiency as well. Not every single person is tapping on the Mickey head, so uh, that'll be cool to see. All right, so that's enough of speculation. Let's get to what we are definitely expecting for Disney World this spring and summer. So let's start with masks, social distancing, park pass, that kind of stuff. Leslie, is there going to be any changes or is it going to be pretty much status quo? You know, And if status quo, can you give us a quick reminder of what people need to know if they're going to Disney parks, social distancing wise?
0: Sure. So it's definitely going to be more of the same. Masks are still going to be required. There are still going to be social distancing stickers and plexiglass on rides and all of that stuff that we have come to expect. I mean, I think practically speaking, the guests may not be as good as social, at social distancing as the spring and summer go on. I mean, I'm just judging by like what my grocery store line looks like. <laughs> people are getting tighter and tighter together. So, you know, I think people do need to be aware of, of that trend possibly happening. But but as far as official D- Disney policy goes, there are going to be all the precautions in place. and And Disney still does have that rule that you can't, be moving while you're eating and drinking. You have to be static and, you know, stay in one place if you're going to take off your mask and no strolling around food festivals at Epcot.
1: Yeah. And they also updated their rules. I think it's more of a covering themselves situation, but they even updated to say that if you're at a table service while you're sitting down, unless you're eating, you need to keep your mask on. So like while you're ordering and stuff like that, they expect you to keep your mask on. I hear that the enforcement is hit or miss or your mileage may vary as uh, we say here sometimes but yeah that's another thing to be aware of so sounds like uh, masks will definitely be in place through august uh, especially through those hot months so you know something definitely to bear in mind if you're planning to travel this spring or summer Also do want to note that Disney has suspended a lot of their social distancing in the rides themselves. Like most of the roller coasters are loading every single row now. As we talked about, they've been putting in plexiglass so they can load more people into ride vehicles. And so a lot of those uh, episodes we recorded in December about social distancing on attractions, a lot of that stuff has gone away. So definitely bear that in mind, too.
0: All right, Joe. Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room crowds, people, how is it looking for the spring and into the summer so far?
1: Yeah, so we should talk about this uh, both from a Disney perspective and then from the context of the country at large. I'll start with a Disney perspective. Right now, as we are releasing this, it is the middle of spring break for a lot of states, and a lot of park passes are sold out from Now until like through the week after Easter, so April 7th, 8th, 9th, like that's when park passes start opening up again. You know, these next three weeks are spring breaks and it looks like a lot of people are going that 35% capacity or whatever Disney is doing right now is full. You know, on a lot of days, there's only Epcot that's free. Hollywood Studios is booked through the end of this month and through the beginning of April. It does look like a lot of crowds are going to be there. As we are recording, it's Saturday, March 13th, so we haven't seen the actual spring break crowds. But by the time you're hearing this, you probably will have seen pictures or heard reports of exactly how crowded it is. I think that in general, starting now during spring break and running through the summer, I think we're going to see a large uptick in crowds. You might have a week or two here or there where you're going to have lighter crowds and it's going to feel like, you know, those are initial, I guess not the initial reopening times. It'll never be like that again, but in the fall when you had some pretty light weeks. Now, remember these crowds are as always relative to the crowd sizes we've seen since reopening. So it's not going to be like pre-pandemic, but I think in general, we're going to see the crowds tick up because Leslie, I think this country is ready to travel and Disney World is one of the places
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you and I have felt it, certainly, Joe, in our own personal travel planning (laughs) forecast. I mean, there have been a lot of big announcements coming. President Biden, of course, announced that there would be enough vaccine by the end of May for all Americans, adult Americans who wanted it. So I think that really gave a boost of confidence to a lot of folks about the potential for summer travel. So, you know, I know I certainly was (laughs) started looking on airline websites and (laughs) other things and started making my plans. So for folks who are waiting to travel until they get a vaccine, there is that demand that's going to be surging back in June, July, August, I think for a lot of folks. So, So there really just is that confidence and That will affect crowds. So it is kind of a give and take because, of course, people do have that confidence, but they're still wary and may not want to go to a Disney World at 100% capacity or maybe not even 50% capacity. and, And we don't know what Disney World's capacity is going to look like as the months tick on.
1: Leslie and I should admit that we live in a little bit of an echo chamber travel wise. Most of the people we talk to online and stuff like that are big travelers. So of course, everyone we talk to really wants to travel. But still, I think anecdotally, it just feels like this country is ready to travel again. Uh, A month ago, we were looking for house rentals on Cape Cod this summer, and those are all gone already. So you know, whether it's Disney World or somewhere else, people are going to travel. Disney World is one of the most traveled to destinations in the world. So I think when Americans are ready to travel again, which is timeline-wise going to be the summer, uh, they're going to be traveling to Disney World, whether it be last minute or planning far ahead. And I don't think, like normal years, the heat is going to scare people off as much as it would because people are just so desperate to go. I mean, it's not scaring me off, I'll tell you that much.
0: That's right. Maybe people are ready to tough it out um, just to get anything after this Terrible year. You know, my barometer for interest in travel is just looking at my blog's traffic. And I can tell you, just from personal experience, it is going up each and every week. It has since February, as people have realized that, you know, some spring travel is possible and summer really is possible. So, yeah, if you're on the fence about making plans, I would definitely recommend going ahead and making some that are refundable and, you know, then watching and waiting and see how you feel.
1: Yeah, and remember, with a Disney vacation, it's pretty much um, refundable up until 30 days in advance, and even after 30 days, if you're booking a vacation package, you only have that $200 deposit that you're on the hook for. So I think in terms of flexibility, Disney is an option that a lot of people like. Quick plug, uh, TripsWithTikes.com, Leslie's blog. If you are curious about how Park Pass reservations work and stuff like that and need a typed up version yours truly put that post up on leslie's website so you should check that out plus stuff on magic bands i don't know leslie your traffic's going through the roof I'm super happy for you
0: oh thanks and you know joe writes quite a few <laughs> disney articles on trips with tykes and probably will be writing more if i can twist his arm so it's been a uh, disney to take we like taken to the page it's what, right <laughs> it's what
1: we like to call a symbiotic relationship yes, yes. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about what to expect this spring and summer. Another thing is that more restaurants are reopening. The latest a couple of weeks ago, they reopened Hollywood and Vine's Disney Junior Breakfast, which I know a lot of people enjoy. If you have preschoolers, toddlers, uh, even young elementary school kids, they love the Disney Junior stuff. And so the Hollywood and Vine Disney Junior Breakfast, it's a tough ticket to get. You know, you definitely want to try to book that 60 days in advance if you can. The simple reality is that With capacity increasing, more people coming to the parks, Disney has to meet that capacity with their food. So, you know, we're going to see more restaurants reopening. I expect every month to hear another one or two restaurants reopening. So keep an eye out for that. But like I said, Hollywood and Vine is the big one recently. I mean, they were open, but the breakfast has opened too. We can definitely expect to see more of that. All right. A new quote unquote gate has opened at Disney World uh, just this past week. Blizzard Beach reopened to the public, the first water park at Disney to be reopened. Can you tell us really quickly what people need need to know if they uh, plan to visit Blizzard Beach?
0: All right, so over at Blizzard Beach, not a lot of great reports from, you know, real people out of there, because it seems like a lot of bloggers went opening day, and those are the only real reports we've gotten, and it's been kind of chilly, so... It was like 50
1: degrees or something, so like... (laughs) No normal people were there.
0: Yeah, no normal people. No sane people were there. Just people like us, right, Joe? Anyway, from what we've learned from the, you know, days it's been operating so far, Blizzard Beach, of course, is going to have a lot of signage about where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. The requirements for masks are, of course, going to be different there because you're not going to be wearing your mask lining up for a water slide or in the lazy river or something like that. So instead, Disney has made clear where you do have to wear your mask, and that's upon interest. Entering the park when doing any shopping when going to the restrooms or the changing rooms and then finally when you're lined up for dining or, or you know approaching dining so any of the usual places that you would sort of not be getting wet is when you're going to have to be wearing your mask so definitely something to keep in mind it's going to be operating a bit differently than the rest of the parks. What else,
1: Joe? On the mask thing, I think a little bit different from the theme parks themselves is it seems like if you're at your beach chair and stuff like that, you're not going to... It's almost as if there's like a mask-free zone and a masked zone. And the mask-free zone is basically the water park itself. So if you're at your chair, you're in that mask-free zone, you're by the water, I think you're going to be okay. And with what we know about outdoor transmission and stuff like that, I think uh, it makes sense because Disney had to balance the practicality of masks at a water park with the safety considerations. Speaking of the pool chairs you know you're not supposed to move them so that's part of how they are enforcing social distancing and then another small change that they're doing for enforcing social distancing actually it's a big change if you have younger kids if you're on the lazy river you have to be in a tube so i wonder if they'll because when i've been on lazy rivers before with like younger kids i put the kids in the tube and walked along by them i'm not sure how they're enforcing but i think they're doing this to make sure that there's only a certain number of people in the lazy river at a given time and they've also implemented a small change where the tubes that are free to take or to use are flipped upside down so that the uh, chlorine can wash off uh, any germs that they are so they flip the tubes upside down then you flip it over and get in and you know it's clean due to uh, science
0: Yay, science. (laughs) Yay, chlorine.
1: Yes, always yay for science and chlorine. All right, so the last thing that is happening at the parks in spring and summer is the Flower and Garden Festival. It has been extended. You know, it normally ends a little bit earlier, but this year it's been extended all the way through July 5th. Hopefully the flowers survive the blistering heat in Orlando in the summer. But for those who have not been to Flower and Garden before or or who are planning a Disney trip for the first time in a long time, what is the Flower and Garden Festival? What can people expect?
0: So Flower and Garden Festival is another one of the many Epcot food festivals of course, because of its name, it's more than just food. They There are these gorgeous floral topiaries and designs, you know, Disney characters all over the park. So there's a lot of activities that are usually centered around gardening and, and flowers and things like that. And then the food is, of course, sort of spring inspired and a lot of different festival booths set up around World Showcase like you'd expect at Food and Wine and, and Festival of the Arts. So it's really just an excuse to go to Epcot and eat a lot of great Disney food <laughs> and, uh, you know, spend a lot of money. But it's, it's really quite beautiful. I've been to Flower and Garden a couple of times in the spring. For whatever reason, that tends to be the time of year that I find myself going. And it's, it's really a beautiful festival.
1: Yeah, I like it a lot as well. Of course, they don't have the playgrounds that they normally would for kids, but the food is good. You know, I was talking to you, Leslie, I was listening to another podcast, I think it was Disney Plug, talking about the food and they were talking about all the impossible foods. And I had asked you if you had any impossible foods before, and you said you'd had it at Disneyland, right? And Disney chefs seem to know their way around these impossible meats.
0: Yes. I don't usually eat fake meat ever. I mean, I'm from Alabama, so that's like heresy. (laughs) But I did at Disneyland, and I'm sure the Disney chefs at Disney World can come up with equally tasty concoctions out of non-meat meat. meat.
1: If I make it out there, I've been thinking I should maybe eat some fake meat for uh, health reasons. And so I was like, maybe I can start with Disney Impossible Meat as a little bit of a gateway to maybe doing it at home. But uh, we'll see.
0: Healthy habits start with Disney, right, Joe? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. No. I'm not
1: quite <laughs> sure that's the case. But uh, we will, for the purposes of this podcast, we will say that that is the case.
0: All right, Joe. Well, what do you have for us by way of Disney do's or don'ts?
1: Okay. So my Disney don't is don't buy travel insurance from Disney. They will try to sell it to you. But like I said in the episode, you don't need to pay your balance until 30 days in advance and you don't really have anything at risk before then. So you don't really need travel insurance before that point for sure. But also I think in general, at least for my family, since we try to take more than one vacation per year, if that is your family, then you're often going to be better off getting an annual plan. I have an annual travel insurance plan for my family, or I did. It's lapsed right now because we're not traveling, but I had it. And it was only a couple hundred dollars. And for a family of five, you'll find if you're trying to buy travel insurance through Disney, it'll be close to that. So avoid travel insurance, at least not until the last possible minute. And uh, that is my Disney don't. Great tip. All right, so that does it for What to Expect at Disney World this spring and summer. If we missed anything or there's anything you're really looking forward to or disappointed that's not coming yet, let us know, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Really appreciate it. Other than that, thank you, Leslie, for taking the time to talk to me, and I will see you standing outside the bushes in Ratatouille, just waiting for it to open.
0: Thanks, Joe.